0: Welcome back to episode six of the Bible Connection podcast. Guys, this is a weekly podcast that follows our church's Bible reading plan that we might encourage you all along as you read your Bibles. Uh, My name is Josh Williams. I'm your host. Uh, With me is my good friend Taylor. Good evening. Brandon. How you doing? And Mr. John. I'm a mister. Yeah. (laughs) So this week we are discussing the closing chapters of Leviticus uh, we kind of we kind of ended on 14 last time, uh, so I think we're gonna get started in 16. But we're gonna do 16 through 27. So just hopping right in that, uh, the Day of Atonement is singled out right in the middle of Le- Leviticus, and John touched on this last episode. Uh, what's so important about this specific festival over the others? Yeah. So
1: so last week we we mentioned to to refresh your memory. We mentioned that Leviticus is found within the middle of the Torah, mm-hmm. and and the Day of Atonement is in the middle of Levit- Leviticus. And, and John um, did a great job of pointing out the, the, the chiasm of, of – um, what's what's the phrase, John? The, the Lord spoke to Moses 17 times. And the Lord
2: spoke to Moses saying – or, and the Lord, Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying.
1: Yep. And eighteenth the eighteenth time found in the Day of Atonement and then seventeen times following. Yeah, it's exactly di- central in that structure. Yeah, yeah. And and when we look at the, the the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement is so crucial for us and 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 John, you're gonna you're gonna pull out the, the the New Testament connection to this. But the Day of Atonement is what is and was to 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 the old testament believers, you know, they're the the it's 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 following. You kind of have to know what what has happened before with Nadab and Abihu and them offering strange fire before before the Lord and them being consumed and, and 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 after this, well, before that in chapter nine, the Lord comes down. The Lord comes down and consumes the 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 offering before the people and it's and all of the people were in awe. Right, and then flowing from that in, in chapter sixteen we see this kind of strange strange scenario where where there's they're to take two goats, right? And and one is they are to the, the, the people are to symbolically through the priests lay their hands on this this one goat, right? And and this one goat is to in in systematic theology we like to say expiation, right? The sins of Israel are put on this one goat, and this one goat is is sent out into the wilderness, right? It's, it's the, the, the sin of Israel is taken away, right? It's taken away, and it says there, there is a man who is in readiness to make sure that this this one goat who is symbolically carrying the sins of Israel, that this one goat is is not going to come back into uh, into the camp of Israel and symbolically symbolically pollute uh, israel but this this one goat would would go away right but then you have another goat and and this this one was to be slain and its' its blood was to be poured out and and I think taylor you're going you're gonna you're gonna talk a little bit about this but but that that the blood that is is coming from this goat, we have expiation. Sin has has gone into this one goat, but then you have what in in some uh, some system systematicians call this imputation, right? That life life is coming. The blood is shed, right? And the the people of Israel are now. This blood is 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 put on them symbolically, and this life now is put on. The people of symbolically put on the people of
3: Israel, and and so, yeah. And I'll just briefly mention um, when you come across the word blood, it is uh, understood by the Hebrews to mean life. Uh, going all the way back to Cain and Abel, you see blood there. It's understood as life. Go fast forward all the way through the Old Testament, the New Testament. Um, there's a, there's an understanding that blood uh, means life. So Jesus' blood covers our sins, it really means his life uh, is put forth um, in in sacrifice in place of our sins. And, and that goes all the way back with the promise that God made. Uh, we see with, uh, w- with Abraham that God made a promise that uh, he would die on behalf of Abraham's descendants' covenant failure. Um, so Jesus, when we see that his blood is covering our sins, it's because... Um, It's a fulfillment of that promise, and looking all the way through Leviticus 16, specifically with the Day of Atonement, we see blood. Um, There's an understanding uh, that it means life. I don't have anything else to say on that. Go ahead, John. I
2: mean when we look at this blood imagery too, I think what's really important when we look at the the Day of Atonement is that we started off Leviticus with this problem. I'm going to keep emphasizing it. How are God's people supposed to enter into his presence? Moses himself couldn't even enter into the tent of meeting at the end of Exodus. And the Day of Atonement solves this problem. Um, the, the high priest is supposed to take, take the most expensive of all the sacrifices, this bull, And he's supposed to drain its blood out. And it's supposed to be sprinkled with his finger on the mercy seat in the very presence of God. And he's supposed to cover for his own sins. And then for the sins of the people by offering up this goat. And when he does this, you see at the end of chapter 16... Verse 34, this shall be a statute to you forever. This atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as the Lord commanded to Moses. And so the, 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 the answer to this question, how is God's people, how are God's people going to dwell with God, is kind of not a great answer. Forever, every year, throughout all their generations, they're supposed to continually offer this sacrifice that that symbolically allows them to enter into the presence of God, but only the high priest and only once a year, and and it's costly and it's bloody and it's visceral and it's it's bearing down on their conscience. And and what I would what I would love to do is I would ask the, the readers right now to to put your thumb in Leviticus, but turn over to Hebrews, because in Hebrews, starting in chapter nine, um, the author of Hebrews, so we don't really know who specifically he is, he's making a connection here um, that is just mind-blowing and enriching, and, and you cannot understand the Day of Atonement or Leviticus as a Christian without coming to Hebrews and seeing what is being said here about Christ. So chapter 9, starting in verse 1, I'm going to be doing a lot of reading, so hopefully I'm not stuttering. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness, for a tent was prepared for the first section which the lampstand and the table of the bread of the presence. It's called the holy place. And behind the second curtain was a second section called the Most Holy Place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold in which a golden urn was holding manna and Aaron's staff that was budded and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of the things we cannot speak now in detail. I feel like he's really thinking of this podcast right now. So these preparations have thus been made. The priests go regularly into the first section performing the ritual duties, but into the second, only the high priest goes and he, but once a year and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. And by this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened as long as that first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. Verse 11, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have yet to come, that have come, sorry, Then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands—that's not of creation—he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes and a heifer can sanctify for the purification of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, to purify out conscience from the dead— Uh, works to serve the living God. Therefore, he's the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may uh, may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death since it's not in force as long as the one who made it alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people he took the blood of the calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and the people saying this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you and in the same way he sprinkled with blood both the tent and the vessels and worship indeed under the law almost everything's purified with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins this is what I want to emphasize and I'm going to stop reading pretty soon Uh, we're going through chapter 9 Thus it was necessary for copies of heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are just copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own. For then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is... He appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by sacrificing himself. And just as it's been appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of the many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. And and I want you to keep reading Hebrews in your own time, but this is the, the joyful reconciliation we have in Christ Jesus. We as a kingdom of priests can enter into the holy place with God by the blood of the covenant won us by christ and so I, I don't know what else i can add yeah
3: so can i pick up on um that was amazing by the way copies yeah. of the that's, that's the holy spirit like that's just yeah. amazing to just to yeah. see that uh,
1: and, and and going back to the first episode in leviticus about leviticus being this book that's hard that that it's like <laughs> a, a bible reader killer you know what i'm saying but all of these 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 connections are just incredible um but going back to um these these things pointing to something greater, something else that you can miss in your text. as as you're reading the text, if you're not careful, and it comes from from reading it over and over and over and over again. Like if, if you've read the Bible once, great, read it again, read it again and again and again and again. And I promise you, you will start seeing connections. I, I every time I go through the Bible, I, g- I get to places. I, I, I make notes in my Bible when I'm reading. I'll, I'll put a question mark. And when I go through it again the next year, I'll come to that question mark. And sometimes I'm like, wait a minute. This question that's here that I didn't understand, it makes sense now. This is one of those, I'm, what I'm about to say is one of those question marks that for me, it, it was answered. And, and, and it has to do with the eighth day. When you're reading Leviticus, over and over and over again, the repetition of on the eighth day is repeated over and over and over again. It's, re- it's, it's mentioned in 9-1, 12-3, 14-10, 14 15-14, 15-29, 14, chapter 22, verse 27, 23, verse 36, 23, verse 39. And as you're reading this, you will think, well, what in the world does this mean? Well, what's interesting, and I'm sorry to to go back, but if you will look back at chapter 12, with the with the purification of childbirth after childbirth, and you if you read uh, verse three, and on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskins foreskin shall be circumcised. Obviously, speaking about uh, Jewish Hebrew male children, the flesh of foreskins shall be circumcised, and then um, um, she can, but but but. Hebrew male children were circumcised on the eighth day. What's the significance of the eighth day? Wait a minute. From, 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 from the beginning until now, we've heard over and over and over again the repetition of seven days, right? Going back to, to Genesis 1, right? You know, Genesis 1 and 2. But, but now it's mentioned the eighth day. What, what in the world? Why was, why was it that the, the, the Hebrew child on the eighth day Was circumcised. Did
2: they lose count? (laughs) (laughs) Numbers are hard.
1: Yeah, you might you might think so, but the numbers are repeated a lot. Wait till the next book. Um, but what what the what the New Testament picks up on this, and and what's happening is, there are seven days, creation, right? But on the eighth day, the the new covenant we will we'll speak of the eighth day as the new creation and when we when we think about new creation we think of second corinthians second uh, corinthians 5:17 if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation and then also you think about the book of romans and you think about you know what what paul is thinking. as paul is thinking through circumcision right you think you know thirc- circumcision is is the cutting away of flesh right well, Paul Paul is using Deuteronomy language in saying, well, you know, the the, the, the removal of flesh is pointing to something something in the future, in, in the circumcision of the heart. And this this the, the the child being circumcised on the eighth day, he's being set apart, right? We talk about circumcision as, as priestly language. The 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 Hebrews were were in in midst of people where the priests were circumcised, but now all of the male children now are circumcised, so that so that the nation can be a, a a a a kingdom of priests, shining as as Isaiah will say, bringing lot to the ends of the earth, right? But this this circumcision is is saying this child is set apart. This this original creation. This child now is set into the new creation, right? And we see that Christ now in the new covenant, Christ is is the beginning, right? The, 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 the Old Testament circumcision was pointing to um, Jesus as, in, in Colossians chapter 2, you'll see the connection of Old Testament circumcision and Christ being the circumcision, the circumcision, right? Christ is that circumcision, right? But now, now that we are in Christ, we are new creation as Second Corinthians, as Paul says in Second Corinthians. So, but that has that played out over and over and over again. You'll, you'll see it uh, over and over and over again, or you already have seen it in Leviticus.
2: And so building off of that image of Christ, just as these sacrifices in the Day of the Atonement you know, failed to fully live up to the sacrifice of Christ but were just lesser copies of the things to come, now the people— they are called to be a kingdom of priests shadow. and a holy nation.
1: But yeah, it's a shadow. Paul, uh, the, the author of Hebrews says it's a shadow of the things. Yes. Right. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I might have that.
2: misspoke. I don't even remember what I said. But now, now the people are, are going to be called to this image that they are also going to fail to – they're going to fail. I mean the, the, if, you've, if you've read the Torah before, you're going to get to the book of Numbers, and you're going to see almost immediately the people of Israel are going to fail after being made right with God through the Day of Atonement and yet here we have in chapter 19 and the lord spoke to moses saying speak to all the congregation of the people of israel and say to them you shall be holy for i the lord your god am holy so when i mentioned last episode that that leviticus is a, is a chiasm or a chiasm however you pronounce it um, it begins
1: with – if you're, if you're southern like me, it's chiasm. It's chiasm.
2: Chiasm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it one more syllable <laughs> in there. It begins with a description of the offerings, uh. and then it moves into how the priests are supposed to enact the offerings. Then it leads into the failure of the priests with Nadab and Abahu, but then it leads to the Day of Atonement. Coming back out of that, what we're going to see um, – oh, and I, and I skipped the part I was about to emphasize. And it talks about what it means to be clean and unclean um, before you see the Day of Atonement. Well, when coming out of the Day of Atonement, you see what it means to be holy and unholy. And so now that they've been made ritually clean, these people are supposed to be enacting out um, what was supposed to be done in the garden. They're supposed to be doing what was um, originally called to Adam as king and priest inside of the garden. And and you're going to almost immediately see an epic failure of, of a man getting angry and, and blaspheming against the Lord. And the people are like, what do we do? And they have to gather him up and stone him. The Lord's like, he needs to die. You have something to say?
1: Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm, I'm, there's so much I want to say here. But going back to um, the, 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 the priest and, and, and continual failure, right? You see, Aaron has two sons, right? Nadab and Abihu. They fail before the Lord. Mm-hmm. This pattern is repeated over and over and over again. Eli has two unfaithful sons. Samuel has two unfaithful sons. David, not being a priest, but David has some unfaithful sons, right? So, um, but yeah, and, but w- w- what's interesting, and we're jumping ahead a little bit, but where that, where the, the woman who has the Egyptian, um, husband who has the, the son that's in an argument with, with the, the Hebrew and he blasphemes the Lord. That's such a strange position where, where that's at, because you have didactic, didactic, didactic teaching. And then all of a sudden this narrative mm-hmm. and I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot I want to say there, but what were you? I'm, I'm interrupting you.
2: No, no, I, I, continue.
1: Well, it's it's almost like you have this, like it's didactic, you know. This okay, real quick, didactic. So teaching, right? Um, um, we're we're gonna get Taylor's gonna talk about the feasts, and and this is what you are to do. This is the date that you're to do it on. This is what this is how you're to do it. Like last week, I talked about how Exodus Exodus is the architecture. Of of uh, covenant worship before Yahweh, Leviticus is giving you liturgy, and liturgy is is one of those old Christian worms, w- not worms, words about kind of order of service, right? How how is it that you 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 worship before the Lord? How is it that you live before the Lord? But through you know the, the text is going on. There's this this teaching, and then all of a sudden, there's this strange story that 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 goes right right in the middle of it. And the the story it almost seems out of place, and that's where, well, I won't get into that. Uh, uh, but this this narrative of this man blaspheming the Lord, well, you might think this is this is this is strangely placed, but it's not, because what happens is this man blasphemes the name of the, the Hashem, the the name that's that's the Hebrew for. Um, um the lord yahweh the, the 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 hashem of um yahweh right he blasphemes that name right but the 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 text especially when we get into numbers numbers is going to talk about how you know in in numbers chapter 6 may the lord bless you and keep you may he make his face to shine upon you may he make uh, I say this to my kids every night um uh, may 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 his countenance uh Gosh, I can't remember it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Not May. tonight.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but what's happening is this is a narrative passage, but it's giving you an an example of how important the name of the Lord is. We are to ha- each day the the priest is to offer this this Aaronic blessing after his after his his offering is complete. He's to put his name symbolically on the people of Israel. Right, but yet this man now is blaspheming the name, the Hashem of Yahweh. Right, and what's to do? What are, What are they to do? He's to be stoned. He's to be taken out. And and it's in the middle of this this what we call retributive justice, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know the 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 justice the 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 punishment shall not shall not uh, exceed the crime, and and the Lord is is very. Is 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 extremely um, aware and and wants to model that to the world. He's wanting his people to model that to the world, but yet it's it seems like well this this might seem a little excessive, but it's not because the rest of the text is, like I said, especially in Numbers, we're going to look at next week. The name of the Lord is massive. We want the name of the Lord upon us. We never want to blaspheme that name. Blessing and lot come through the name being upon us. That's the language that's that's picked up in Numbers.
0: Okay, continuing on. We've spent way too much time on Have we on got that? to the second? No, just, that's another question one. Um, <laughs> 20 minutes again. It's I, a, I love it's it. It's a Levitical theme. I love it. Um, so moving on. Okay, in the latter parts of Leviticus, we're looking at chapter 23, right? it discusses all these uh, feasts. So we got the Passover. We got Feast of Firstfruits, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Trumpets, uh, Day of Atonement, which we just finished So talking about, and then Feast of Booths. So why do the people of Israel have so many feasts? And then a second part to that question, uh, what makes them necessary?
3: Well, the first answer is they were a hungry group of people, so they had to eat often. Um the seven feasts of Israel foreshadow and picture the feast of all time. Uh, so this is fascinating. There's more going on than just them gathering as a group of people, but rather the history of the world, the history of all things that happen and are going to happen are summarized in these feasts. So in spring, uh, you have Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Pentecost, otherwise known as Shavuot or Feast of Weeks. Those are... Um, Symbolizing Jesus' first coming, and they have been fulfilled. Then there are three more uh, that come in the fall Jesus' second coming, trumpets, uh, atonement, or otherwise known as Yom Kippur, uh, and tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles, otherwise known as Sukkot or the Feast of Boots. Those are a, a picture and imagery of Jesus' second coming. So Passover celebrates the Passover of Egypt, a foreshadowing of Jesus. As the slain lamb, anyone who believed uh, in the promise of God would put that um, blood over their doorpost and the angel of death would pass over uh, their home. Uh, The unleavened bread, uh, also celebrated from the Exodus, is from when their bread had no time to rise and hence it didn't have uh, leaven uh, and therefore they ate it that way. Uh, On a side note, leaven or yeast represents sin. So when you... Um, read throughout the Old Testament, and you see leaven or yeast. It can represent sin. Um, and then once again, uh, first fruits—they um, were to bring the early crops as an offering to the Lord. Uh, so the that feast um, was a part of the harvest season, and when they uh, had their crops grow up in the first. Part of their um, produce was coming. They would take it as an offering to the Lord and bring it to uh, the holy city, Jerusalem, where the priests were. And they would offer that as a testament that they believed that God would provide more um, uh, than just the first fruits, but rest of the crop would grow. So it was a testament of faith. And then uh, Pentecost, seven full weeks after the Sabbath, uh, marked the start of the summer harvest um, and would continue the harvest until the trumpets were blown, hence... The Feast of Trumpets. So, what I want to communicate is that these feasts were fulfilled in Jesus' first coming, these first four. Jesus was crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread, raised on first fruits, and then the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, marking the age of the church, in which we as believers today are called to harvest until the next feast when the Feast of Trumpets are blown. The day that the high priest would blow the trumpet so that all the faithful would stop harvesting and come to worship and a day of solemn rest. Literally saying a day of solemn rest. Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, it shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest in the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, is a celebration of God providing shelter for the Israelites in the presence of God for eternity. So we see that Jesus fulfills those first four feasts, and it's symbolized and celebrated annually, specifically looking toward, in the time of the Israelites in Leviticus, looking toward Jesus' first coming. When he came, everything about those feasts symbolized him. Just as we look at all the, the sacrificial system in which um, the, the the people would make sacrifice and testament that there would be a forthcoming a Messiah to die on behalf of their sins, these feasts also foreshadow what would happen, and Jesus fulfills them. So specifically, when I look at Pentecost, um, or the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, because it has three different names, um, that was the day that marked the beginning of the harvest. It, it's it's parallel to everything that we read in Acts. When the Holy Spirit came down on the, the disciples, what did they do? They were filled and— with the Holy Spirit, and they were going out proclaiming uh, the name of Christ, and people were being harvested, literally. So, from from that moment all the way until the day of trumpets, when Jesus returns, we are called as believers to fulfill what the Great Commission has called us to do in making disciples of all nations. Um, and we are pulling in that harvest. And I know John wants to talk about some of this too, and he's been waiting, so I'm gonna go let him. Go ahead and jump in. I'll be quick. Okay.
2: Okay, so I, I just want to highlight for some of you, as you hear this, I've never heard this before. What is this amazing connection between Christ and these feasts? This is not just an implicit picture that Taylor's weaving here. This is the explicit conversation occurring throughout the Gospels in the New Testament. And so if you'd just like to pause as I spitfire some scripture verses at you to just explore what Taylor was talking about a little bit more in your own time. In Luke chapter six, five, you see Christ is having this conversation against the Pharisees, accusing him of not keeping the Sabbath. And he he says, the, the, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. When when Christ walks towards John the baptizer, right? He says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world for the Passover. You see Paul picking up in 1 Corinthians 15, comparing Christ to the first fruits of creation. You see that when the Holy Spirit descends on the church in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says that it happens on Pentecost. If you want to see more about this trumpet call that Taylor was talking about, calling God's people away from the harvest, look at Revelation chapters 8 through 10. We've already read Hebrews last week, chapter 9 and 10, talking about the Day of Atonement. And I I want to finish off just this little couplet here, um, reading Revelation 21, 1 through 4 for you to talk about God is going to tabernacle, going to booth, going to dwell with us in the end.
1: Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I was going to bring up because John, John, in his prologue of, of John chapter one and verse fourteen, he says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth." The Word dwelt here. Um, this is this is this is harkening back to to tabernacle. He's tabernacling. Um, among us, this is this is Leviticus language. But not only that, um, when when John is speaking of in in uh, John chapter one verse six and seven, he says there was a man who was sent from God, um, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the lot that all might. Uh, uh, he verse eight. He was not the lot, but but came to bear witness about the lot. And and from what from my understanding of John, this is harkening back to the lot that was constantly. That was constantly um, uh, before. That was that was coming because in in this is this is the, uh, this is how my mind works. But but this light that was constantly coming from the fire on um, in with with within the temple or the tabernacle. Go back to um, Leviticus chapter six in Leviticus chapter Leviticus six twelve. It says, "And the fire on the altar." Um, shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. The, the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it and, and shall burn it. And the fat of the peace offering, and then it's repeated again here in verse 13, the fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. And I think this is, this is, this is, in, in acts when when it says that the spirit descended at, at Pentecost in the new in, in in the book of Acts the spirit descended on the disciples as tongues of fire I think that 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 is a that is a, alluding back to Leviticus that this that this fire that to be continually before the altar that fire is no longer in the temple right it, it, it may be it may be there in 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 Going on at, at 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 that time before the temple's destroyed, but now we see the ch- the church, the Spirit descending on believers in the church. That that and and this is also um, Isaiah language. It's, there's a, I think there's a the compilation of two two. There's a, there's allusion to two passages. One um, this this fire that's that's was on the altar now is on believers because there's you know we as New Covenant believers. You know, uh, in, in Jeremiah thirty-one, it says that the law is going to be um, is going to be within you. So symbolically, in, within the new covenant, we d- we no longer go to Jerusalem, go to the temple, to to a place, uh, b- you know, before where there's the holy of holies, and within the holy of holies, there's there's the ark, and within the ark is the is the the ten commandments, right? But now. The word is within us. the The language of of of, of Jeremiah and of also of Hebrews is is that now we are we are the ark, right? And we are within we are within this tabernacle. And the, the tabernacle now um, is is the church. That Jesus Jesus is, is the fulfillment of the tabernacle. And we, as the body of Christ, are in Him. Right. This symbolic language, and it's it, it's it's you know there's a there, there's a there's a lot going on, but in in, in this this language of, of fire descending, tongues of fire descending on on at Pentecost is alluding back to um, Isaiah when it's it's Isaiah is talking about judgment that that Israel will be judged by people from the outside that 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 that, that this uh, different that you will be judged by people of different languages, right? You know, they are unfaithful to the covenant, right? And they're going to be judged by, by people who are brought in, right, from, from outside
3: that are going to speak judgment upon them. I want to make one quick addition to what you're saying about the tongues piece. The Hebrew word for tongues, um, if you go back to Exodus, uh, the, the Old Covenant, tongues can also be translated as thunder. So when you see... Thunder on the the descending of God on Mount Sinai, it's also the word tongues in languages. So, what happened in Mount Sinai and God descended and was among His people, is the same thing that happens in Acts once again, yep. that God was descending on His people. Absolutely.
0: All right, I, I, I'm I'm going to have to cut us to the last question. Um, so, let's try to let's try to knock this one out. There were a lot of commandments, a lot of rules. lot of descriptions patterns and so on in leviticus right but not much narrative or story so remind us remind the listeners remind me where are we in the story okay are the israelites still at sinai and has it been a few days weeks years Where where are we at it's been a very short amount of time they're still
2: at mount sinai if you look at the very the last verse in leviticus chapter 27 these are the commandments that the lord commanded moses for the people of Israel on on Mount Sinai. So they're still gathered around the Sinai community. And in our next episode, we can uh, look at what happens as they prepare to depart from the mountain.
1: Do you want to, Josh, do you want to, I'm sorry, I know we're over time, but we, we talked about, and in the second half of Leviticus and, and, and the, what, 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 what you were commanded to do, right? And, and we talked about this before we, we, we started recording and how Leviticus how Leviticus practically can help us today, mm-hmm. and and Taylor and I, uh, we were talking before this, and and not to be super spiritual or whatever, but you know Leviticus is 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 very practical to us today. Not not in a sense that we take Leviticus as a one to one, you know, like we're bound to you know on a one to one relationship of of these what's called case laws in Leviticus, but we can take the wisdom from the law. Right, the, the, there is so much wisdom in this. And, and Taylor and I, actually, we had some, like I said, not to be super spiritual, but in, in Leviticus 23, um, it says, And when you reap reap um, the harvest of your land, you shall not reap uh, your field up to its edge, nor shall you gather its gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And in in reading this this text over the years, I became convicted as in in the business that I'm in. Uh, I, one of, one of the things that I do is I, I, uh, I demolish buildings, houses, whatever. And, and I'm constantly, there's constantly people coming by asking, Hey, can I have some steel? Can I have the steel out of this? Can I have the metal out of this? And, and, and I, I was, it was so crazy. Um, I was in this passage at one time and it kind of hit me. I was like, you know what? I, I don't, I don't, I don't need all of this. Mm-hmm. And the wisdom that comes from this, we can meet the needs of people around us. You know, the church can do this, right? We can, we, there are so many needs around us.
0: And, and and it's so easy to do, right? Yeah. It's so easy to just put yourself out there. Yeah. Especially with the resources that we yeah. have. And, and
3: Taylor, you had a great example of this too. So I, I was just going to let you be the super spiritual one. So I was gonna <laughs> it Everyone listening to this but knows just, that's there's true. just a, uh, I mean, I buy and sell a lot of like inventory and distribute it, and just I, I get a lot of returns. And what I look for an avenue to do is to be able to uh, just kind of like the example here, the, the end of your harvest, which you, you don't need or don't use, or kind of like what Brandon said, utilize it in a way to gift other people who are in need or help people who are in need. Uh, I think that transcends much more than this, but whenever you find an opportunity where you can help someone, you have a resource, help them, uh, especially the poor. And the people who are in need, God gives you resources for a reason, and it's not for you to to elevate yourself, but rather to use them for his kingdom. And uh, wherever, whatever business that you are in or whatever avenue of life you're in, I, I think there are opportunities where um, – we can give of the resources we have or um, not take as much profit as we want for things and what is left over uh, help those in need. So um, that can be in your time and that can be in material resources as well.
2: And and be encouraged that the Lord is going to provide for you even when it doesn't, when it doesn't fit into the conventional wisdom that you want it to. So if you look at chapter 25, I'm going to be very quick. I know we're so over time. If you look at yeah, chapter okay. 25, it talks about the sabbatical year and, and in the seventh year, you're not supposed to work the ground at all. Just let that sink in for a second. They're not supposed to work the ground at all and to leave it and do nothing to it. And the Lord's supposed to provide and the people, they actually go like, well, then how are we supposed to eat? Yeah. And the Lord says, because on the sixth year, if you're faithful to this, you're going to harvest so much that you'll get three years worth of harvest. Mm-hmm. And, and and you'll still be eating on this in the ninth year when it's time to start harvesting. And so if you are faithful to the Lord, if you in your heart and in your conscience know that you are doing what you can to to obey God's commandments, he's going to provide for you in ways that you've never seen.
0: Guys, we are so thankful that you uh, take the time to join and listen. Um, one of the things we really enjoy here is is to hear from you guys, uh, whether it's just questions or uh, just comments uh, we, we just we just love to, to be engaged um, so remember that you can share your questions with us at the Bible connection BDbc at gmail.com or you can simply leave a comment um, we, we post on YouTube we're on uh, Spotify or you know if you see us in church just reach out um, we'd, we'd love to tackle some questions in here uh, but uh, thank you for joining us for the, the finishing of Leviticus and we'll see you in episode seven.